do that. Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Leaf, a sales rep and a 5,000 company helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Jill Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at leafasalesrep.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. Oh, my. Yes, it's going to be a good one today. I got uh, a young lady by the name of Karen Haywood, who is with Chief Outsiders, and um, they bring to bear heavy-hitting marketing, chief marketing officers to organizations to help them do a whole bunch of good marketing stuff. And uh, we're going to talk marketing and sales today and what they do and uh, talk a little bit about Karen and, um, and what she does there and uh, how we can... Um, together share what the organization does uh, so that uh, companies who listen to this podcast can um, connect with them. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting right into this thing. And, um, you know, I love talking about marketing and sales this is right in my wheelhouse. Uh, all the other stuff that we do, technology and all that, that's, I, I enjoy that too. But this is really uh, exciting stuff, lead gen and, and getting your customers, the profiles, all that kind of stuff is exciting for me. Um, so tell us um, a little bit about you and your background uh, before you landed at this organization uh, called Chief Outsiders. Go right into it. Well, uh, I'm Canadian. I grew up in Montreal and I spent 20 years at Xerox Canada moving between sales and marketing. And then when I got to the top of the pile, it was time for a bigger playground and decided to immigrate and landed in Silicon Valley, worked for a couple of startups, which we sold to companies like Adobe and uh, Earthlink. And then I really wanted to figure out how to take all the learning I had, especially through my years at Xerox, and, and really bring it to the mid-market CEO and help them make a difference in their go-to-market and uh, sales and marketing effectiveness. Wow. So um, Canada, A, is that a... a <laughs> <laughs> Always could get a kick out of that. How you doing, A? I'm doing good. How about you, B? You know. <laughs> uh, so I, I I got you. So we're talking with Karen Haywood uh, of Chief Outsiders, and uh, we're going to get into a conversation here uh, about their business. Um, they provide fractional uh, chief marketing officers, and some of these people I've seen their backgrounds, and um, you know I know the the owner and founder of the company. You know we met long, long time ago at an Inc. Five Thousand company, uh, Inc. Yeah. Five Thousand conference in two thousand and thirteen. I think we got a picture up there somewhere, not with him, but just with the conference. Um, and uh, uh, great company, and you guys, you guys got some some really good um, experienced people. Um, so tell us what um, the organization does uh, and, um, you know, how do you help companies get more leads and get their ideal customers and all that kind of good stuff. And I'm going to pop in and ask questions as we, as we move along. Go ahead. Yeah. So we uh, are a firm of fractional part-time chief marketing officers. So really to join the firm, everyone comes from a Fortune 1000 background where they've been an operating chief marketing officer or a senior vice president of marketing. 
And what we're able to do is really take all of the learnings and the training that people have had over the course of their careers and really bring that along with a market-based framework to small and high growth and mid-market companies that really could never afford to get access to that kind of talent. Mm -hmm. And we offer that talent really when companies need it most. And that's really when they want to build a growth plan, when they want to accelerate their growth or they want to take their go-to-market plan to the next level. So we are on-demand, easy to work with, and just bring an extraordinary level of experience and talent to a company. Wow, that's great. So um, an example of... um of a, of a client, you don't have to give them the name or anything, but just an example of a client yeah. that had a particular challenge. Let's say, let's try to focus this conversation a bit. Let's say um, they needed more um, MQLs, marketing qualified leads or SQL sales qualified leads. They want to talk to more people. Um, give us an example of a client like that. It could be in the SaaS space, B2B, uh, or whatever you think is relevant just to share how you guys would come in and say, this is what we need to do to get you to where you want to be. Well, there's sort of two examples that pop into my mind. One is an environmental services firm mm-hmm. on the West Coast that, you know, the CEO was really frustrated and, you know, he, he, he coined the problem. We have a lack of predictable revenue growth. And, it was almost like what happened was happening by accident or by outcome. And in that case, we went in and um, basically built them a much more focused and targeted plan along with um, helping them hire a sales leader and developing the sales process. Um, the second example I would give you is, is more tactical. And you know, we got a call from an IT services CEO who said, you know what? I need more marketing qualified leads. We're not hitting our plan. And when we say a marketing qualified lead, it's really an inbound inquiry that that you can hopefully give to the salesperson to to then qualify and create uh, revenue from. And so we started working with that CEO. And what we found, you know, basically we did an X-ray of their pipeline. Mm-hmm. And we found that they really didn't need more marketing qualified leads. What they really needed is a better process to push them through the sales funnel. They had lots of leads. They had lots of the right job title in terms of what they were doing, but they had a a really big issue in terms of fallout. They were closing less than 30% of their proposals. Mm -hmm. And in a considered purchase, you know, that number should really be at 70%. So we really went through a simulated sales call, uh, brought brought in best practices, helped them reshape their proposal process so that they could then be much more effective Mm -hmm. in those opportunities and move their win rate to 50 and then 60% um, of the proposals. So big, big deal. And we did that by doing win-loss analysis and understanding why people were were not converting at the proposal stage. No, that's good. And the uh, the environmental example service, yeah. the example you said that you went in and looked at, um, they were they were uh, up and down in revenue. I guess it wasn't pre- it wasn't consistent, wasn't predictable. Uh, yeah. So, but again, how did 
what did you um, look at kind of from a from a framework perspective when it comes to their marketing? Yeah, so, you know, we think about what is the easiest way to grow a business? Mm -hmm. And for most B2B businesses, that's really looking at your existing client base. So the first thing we do is we map out from top revenue to smallest client, and then we look at, on the other vector, their growth potential. So we could map out right away what segments of clients had the biggest opportunity and what segments of clients were there, the, was there the most vulnerability where we had very large, large accounts that, you know, only knew the salesperson and really needed to build out programs to get other executives involved um, for client retention purposes. Mm-hmm. But on the opportunity you know, you, you have to figure out as a company, what are your strengths and how can you migrate your strengths into programs that really start to get at the heart of, of your, your ideal customer profile? And in that case, we really built out industry-focused programs. So we said, here are the top three industries that are going to have the biggest growth for this type of service. Mm-hmm. Who are the buyers? Where do those buyers, if they're fish, where do they swim? What are the ponds they swim in? And therefore, how should we go out and get them, whether it's thought leadership, whether it's attending trade shows, uh, whether it's, you know, having targeted outbound email campaigns, bringing them to the website with really interesting uh, content for them. Wow. So when you're, um, when you're looking at the marketing landscape for um, middle market companies and enterprise clients, uh, um, we'll get to the small business in a minute, but um, when you look at the middle market and enterprise, what do you see um, across a few industries as some of the challenges that these companies are facing, particularly now, not necessarily with COVID or anything, but just just in general um, with getting attention, okay? with uh, their service and their product um, in the environment that we're in right now where people are being bombarded with messaging and a lot of things like that. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really changed over the last sort of four or five years. Mm-hmm. And then of course, accelerated by COVID, but um, what these, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're an industrial CEO company, whether you're healthcare, all of these companies have buyers where two things have happened, either their needs have changed or the way they buy has changed. Mm -hmm. And let me focus on the way they buy because that is basically across the board. If you think about it, if I were to ask you, you know, you got to go buy a new car. What's the first thing you're going to do? Go on Google or or a platform. Right, right. And so if these companies don't have a digital strategy that supports their buyer's journey, Mm -hmm. they don't even reach the consideration phase. Mm -hmm. And I think McKinsey has done the best work in this area to really publish information, which if anyone wants to hit me at khayward at chiefoutsiders.com, I'm happy to send them the the research um, that says buyers want to, to... go online, they want to explore the solutions, they want to determine who they want to invest time with. And so that means that a salesperson has much less time to influence the buy, even to get into that opportunity, Mm -hmm. because they're already saying, oh, well, you know what, I went online, they had two reviews, and one was, "Eh." 
And so I'm going to just discount that company. Or they've gone on LinkedIn and said, who's bought an XYZ solution lately? And they're getting information from, from peer groups. So if you don't have a growth strategy that has a significant component mm-hmm. of helping your company be found when someone is ready to buy, mm-hmm. you are going to miss out big time. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Um, when we speak to, um, at least when I, when I sometimes speak to, to uh, prospects, they um, will say, and some of this could be actually true. We're going to get into some of the nothing bolts here. Some of it could be true. Some of it could be, eh, oh, we're speaking to five or six companies. Uh, right. and, and I go, I said, really? I said, why would you want to put yourself through all of that? I could barely focus with three. I'm looking for <laughs> vendors. I got three vendors. I'm going to talk to you and then I'm going to make a decision. You're talking to seven. I'm like, okay. I said, man, you got a lot of time on your hands. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, I, um, they, uh, they are um, searching online and obviously get to us and they, you know, read our content. They see us on LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. And then they find us and then we have a conversation and then they, we right. get, you know, in that discussion with them um, about that. But uh, how, um, from a, from a, um, so I, I agree with you that they have to be, you have to have some kind of digital online presence, some, you know, that way that gives you credibility and makes you a subject matter expert kind of thing. And people see you and then they find you and they engage. Um, so that said, um, what do you uh, see um, when we're looking at um, organizations that are larger, again, middle market to the larger companies, um, how they're making um, decisions and finding vendors, right? How are they like, um, I, I, I've had conversations with some um, publicly traded uh, CEOs and we've interviewed uh, publicly traded uh, CTOs, a couple on this, on this program. And uh, they've told us what their buying strategy is when they're looking at a vendor. And um, um, so my, my question to you is, um, what do, have you seen typically from a marketing side or an internal kind of perspective of how are these companies finding and deciding to look for vendors um, when they're looking for anything? Um, I'm talking about the middle market and the, the larger enterprises. The smaller businesses are different. A lot of them will go online as well and they'll search and they'll fill out a form and they'll contact you. But some of the big, big players, they have a different process. So I'm just trying to get your insight. What has been your experience? Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of that, um, you know, the, those wagers that they make, those bets they make on vendors have big implications. So what we see is, um, you know, leveraging partners who uh, have referrals for them. They can say, hey, I've worked for this vendor. So it could be a peer group. It could be an industry trade association, but you're looking for people who have worked with those companies to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, And one of the things I would say is when you're trying to, to fill the top of your funnel, and, and this goes to sales as well, you know, this is not, hey, let me just tell you what we do and throw up all over you with a PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in this world of virtual selling, it really has to be much, much, much more focused on the buyer, mm-hmm. buyer-centric selling and understand, well, how are you going to make this decision and how can I serve you best as you make this decision? And so I think there's got to be a much bigger focus on here are the types of problems 
we solve? Because I think we spend so much time talking about here are our bells and whistles and features. And then the client has to figure out, well, does that actually solve the problem I have? Mm. And so I think salespeople and marketing people really have to figure out how do we serve you better, best, when you're trying to understand if we could be a good fit or not. And I think the answer to that is really, uh, really comes in asking really deep, insightful questions mm. about the organization, the culture, and and how that you know comes together. Yeah, um, that's a very good point. Uh, sometimes when we're looking at our um, call recordings and we're looking at some of the CRM notes of the prospects that we're talking to for our clients, but also for ourselves, we'll realize that some of the top, the the questions that we're asking some of the prospects, they don't want to go into um, a lot of detail or peel back the onion, if you will, to give us more insights so we can determine if we could help uh, and, um, and uh, give us that information so that we could give them a proposal or, or something. Some of them just want to go flat out to what do you provide, a tactical, right? Uh, what do you provide? How much is it? You know, that kind of thing. And right away, we know that they are kicking tires, speaking to a whole bunch of different people to see what the market um, is, uh, you know, sh sharing with them on how the models work. And um, just very similar, probably, uh, to uh, marketing companies, not necessarily you guys, but marketing companies in general. Uh, they'll look at, well, you know, how do you generate leads and what is your process to get us leads and how are you going to, you know, give us MQLs and all these kind of things and when, they, when they contract with an agency, let's say, not necessarily you, you guys yeah. on the strategy side, right? You're on the big picture and then you may bring in vendors that work with companies, but you're more like the thought think tank, right? How do we get you to where you want to be? Um, and uh, we've experienced that with uh, prospects for our clients, but also ourselves um, as well. So the... Um, when you're looking at the landscape, um, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, maybe, you know, um, tools um, that you may be seeing in the marketplace, everybody's throwing out um, uh, marketing automation, uh, AI, um, don't talk to anybody, um, you know, chat stuff. And um, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the sales, they said the sales rep's going to go away. You're not going to speak to anybody. You don't need a salesperson. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm on this. I'm saying, yeah, go, go believe that. <laughs> and uh, it will, we'll still be here, right? Um, so what is your, I mean, when you're looking at the landscape from a marketing perspective on the B2B side, what do you yeah. see as tools and all these kind of, you know, processes that people are trying to implement when I haven't talked to anybody? And, um, you know, I just, um, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think the, the, the conversation matters a lot live. When you get into these big ticket, middle market, large enterprises, you know, kind of business, the small stuff, a couple of hundred bucks, I ain't got to talk to nobody. You know what I mean? So, I mean, what are your thoughts about what's going on in the landscape, B2B and all that? Yeah. So, look, building on what, I, what, I, what I've said to this point is that the buyer is going deeper in the sales funnel doing their own research. Right. So, especially in a technical buy where the buyer you know, is probably an introvert and doesn't want to like, and, and a millennial, my children don't use the telephone. Okay, they, they all have smartphones, but they, they don't use text. them. They text, I know, they text. Right? And so I would, I would say really good marketing today uh 
um, A, starts with market insight that then informs the strategy that then drives execution. So let me give you a couple of execution tactics um, that I think are important. Mm -hmm. If you have a good strategy and you know that you want to target these three segments Mm -hmm. or you have pricing strategies that target different size companies and someone comes to your website, they expect immediate information, Mm -hmm. right? People have zero patience anymore. (laughs) They want to have an interaction as if they're on the telephone, but they're not. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole, you know, notion of conversational marketing that uses artificial intelligence. And so it would be that, you know, I land on a website mm-hmm. and I am looking for pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I explore the website. I go, yeah, this looks interesting. I don't even know if it's in my wheelhouse, but I afford it. And a bot comes up and it says, oh, what brought you to our website today? Interesting, right? So they're looking to understand what problem am I there to solve? Do you want more meetings with salespeople? Do you want, um, you know, more demos or, or do you want more freemium signups for your website? Mm-hmm. Assuming that's what this example does. Mm-hmm. And, and then the person says, oh, I want more demos for my sales team. So then it goes down the next track, which is, oh, tell us about the size of your company. Well, we're this or that. And then as soon as you get to tell us who you target, you target C-level, mid-level or, you know, entry level. So they're streaming the opportunity and qualifying it so that when they transfer hot to a salesperson, they have a pretty good idea of what brought them there, what problem they're trying to solve, and they can stream them to the person that can then answer the question. And, And so it also provides immediate um, information, right? Cause nobody has patience to wait 24 hours for a sales call. All those leads go cold, right? You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think conversational marketing using artificial intelligence, there are a couple of vendors and it's become much more democratized. It's much more accessible mm-hmm. to a mid market company today. They don't have to spend, you know, what, what, what these very large companies do. And if, if you think about it in a practical way, it can really help shorten the overall sales cycle and be much more productive for the salespeople that you do have. Mm, you know, that's great. That's great. Um, when, when we discuss small businesses, right, um, and I want to make sure that we cover some points there on the small business side, um, many of the small businesses um, have problems with top of the funnel, right? Um, getting leads and the like and getting the good leads and, and, and so forth. And they don't have a lot of resources um, to be um, uh, processing leads and, and you know, wasting time with talking to non-qualified ones. Yeah. You don't have bodies. Hence, that's why, you know, people contract out to us, right? Because they don't have the bodies. So we, we have the bodies, right? So it, we see a lot of this. Um, and um, when, when you're looking at clients for yourself, for chief outsiders, um, you, ha- you have a client profile. You know, that mm-hmm. like, like Lisa sales rep does, we have a client profile and everybody should have their own client profile, right? So we're the ones that are qualified for us and not qualified and what's qualified for you. So we're looking at small businesses that need top of the funnel, um, you know, and they need some strategy and help and, you know, all that entails. Some of it is software, some is AI, some tactical things, you know, um, what, what can chief outsiders do for the small business side as well? Um, uh, and make it without going into detail, maybe about 
uh, pricing, but if, if a company has, let's say, 20 employees uh, and whatever industry, and they're trying to grow and they need more leads and stuff, can Chief Outsiders be a resource and or and how? Um, can you give a little insight into that and maybe go into the middle market too a little bit, maybe the enterprise? Yeah, you know, I, I think for any CEO who wants to grow their business in a, in a really meaningful way, it behooves you to do it with a marketing plan that's based on market insights and how you're going to win against your competitors. So, you know, the first thing is, why are you winning? Why are you losing? Uh, and, then, and then building a plan that says, look, here's our ideal customer profile. You know, so many of these companies end up having their salespeople call on everybody because they have no customer profile. So, I mean, there are just some basic things you can do, you know, to, to make your sales force more productive. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, in your case, you can lease a salesperson, mm -hmm. right? You don't even have to, because a lot of these companies don't know how to hire them and they don't know how to manage them because that's not what they spend their time doing. They don't have you know, a seasoned VP of sales at the helm who can, who can focus on that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a mid-market company, I think it's really about getting your story straight, understanding what's relevant to the buyer, getting the right message, getting the right buyer persona. And I do believe that today you do need a mix of people, process, and technology. And whether the people are outsourced mm -hmm. or on staff, you have to do that value equation um, you know, you have to, you have to make those decisions carefully, um, in terms of what you're going to build and, and what you want to count on other experts for. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I think, you know, and I guess the other thing I'd say is today, any CEO would be well served to broaden their perspective on marketing and talk about how they can leverage marketing to attract new employees. Mm -hmm. you've, you've got CEOs with these incredibly successful companies mm -hmm. that need machinists to run the machines mm -hmm. and they can't attract them because when someone goes to their website, they go, well, that looks like a 1980s kind of company. And there's nothing on there about who's behind the company or what's in it for, right. for the employee. It's just not focused, right? Mm -hmm. It's an online brochure that screams in a really ugly way. Here's what we do. Mm -hmm. Right. That doesn't excite a prospect versus they can look at another company and say, wow, that company's on it. They've got great benefits. They've you know, they're talking to me. And and so that's what, you know, is important. So whether it's attracting customers to the top of your funnel or employees to the top of your employee funnel, because everyone there's a war for talent right now. And so I think you got to you got to think about both. And and certainly your company is is an awesome uh, vehicle for people who are in a war for talent, because that's what you specialize in. So I think it's all about finding the opportunities to insource, to outsource and knit that little engine mm -hmm. together to really grow the business. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think that some of the things that we as marketing and salespeople take for granted that come almost like second nature to us um, yeah. second nature to a lot of the uh, companies that we engage with and the founders and the like is just good example the machinistic example and yeah. the great company has 10 million dollars in revenue and 
uh, uh, the cranking out product, but they they uh, can't bring on more clients, or they the website is outdated, or they don't have a lead gen program. It's just they just they they got into an industry a long time ago, and they've been serving it. They've been doing well, uh, and um, so uh, it, it's a very good example um, that they don't necessarily know um, what challenges they face. I think every company mm -hmm. that has grown by referral. Mm -hmm reaches that point of diminishing returns. They tap it out. And I just ran into a company yesterday that we're, we're doing some work for. Um, they're a marketing agency and they've grown by referral. And when they, because they've grown by referral, they've been able to accelerate their sales process because the, the company, the prospect comes to them and says, yeah, I've heard all about your company. Okay, how do we get started, mm -hmm. right? Now, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. Referrals are the best, right? Everybody knows we all love a good referral. Right. But if you want to grow your company beyond referrals, your sales process has to adapt because now you're talking to people that don't really know you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you have to slow down the sales process in order to accelerate to, a, to an order sometimes. And so, you know, figuring out how to make that transition in that mid market company from referral based selling to filling the top of your funnel with people who come to you who don't really know you mm -hmm. that's serving two entirely different prospect experiences and expectations mm -hmm. and so i think that's one of the bigger challenges these mid-market companies are facing because you know the the whole digital age has totally accelerated with COVID, right and so salespeople are being brought into the sales process much later and so how, what are you doing as a mid-market CEO to, to really say, what does my engine to, mm -hmm. you know, grow the business really need to look like going forward? Yeah, no, that's a very, that's a very good point. Um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's interesting that when we talk to companies um, who have that referral base of clients and they have not really gone out of that and prospected and made phone mm -hmm. calls and um, did an aggressive outreach campaign, whether that's via email, social media, phone calls, trade shows, that kind or of Or all of them, omni-channel. Right. right, exactly, right. Uh, and they just have not done that. Um, and um, they are used to the warm lead. Uh, and, uh, and then we tell them that this is what you need to do. Uh, well, our business doesn't work that way. I said, well, listen, you know, you gotta, if you don't want them to pick up the phone, follow up with a client, a prospect, give them a quote, follow up with them again, get them an email, make a phone call, try to close the sale. And they say, well, we're going to seem like we're badgering them. I said, listen, you know, you're not badgering them. You're, you are going after them and they're agreeing to follow up, to follow through, to close the sale. Um, um, and then we, have, we, we encounter companies like that quite often. They got used to the referral part and they feel bad about going after a prospect. And, yeah. and we have to end up educating. Listen, we don't train here. We don't train, we don't teach, we don't consult. We do none of that stuff. You know, we, we actually execute, get the lead, close the deal. That's what we do. Uh, and we have guys like you, you know, which, which is great. You know, teams like you to come up with the strategy and the, and the plan and, and bring in vendors to help grow yeah. the company uh, and, um, uh, to, and bring people like us uh, to the table. And we've had these conversations and they just, the referral part, one who's grew their business by referral, 
um, has to realize that they have to change their operational approach to grow and scale. Uh, and that's going to, um, it, it will make them uncomfortable. I'll give you a very simple example um, for us. We had a, a, a client um, for about five years and we put four people inside their offices, um, inside salespeople. These were our people contract inside in their offices. They had uh, offices for them and they had their CRM, computers, phones, everything. There was a big stress, uh, uh, a contract with us and we were calling on behalf of them. Uh, so, you know, we're branded. So we're calling on behalf of this company. They were selling mm -hmm. franchise websites, websites to franchisees. They had a master franchise contract. And we were calling the franchisees. Got it. Get those mm -hmm. websites sold. So we were, yep. bang, we were banging them out. We were 50, 50 a month, 60 a month. We were closing them, right? Then we started getting, we got a couple of phone calls back into the owner of that company that we had a contract with saying, you know, I got, I spoke to two of uh, your reps and, you know, uh, they, they wouldn't take no for an answer. They kept on pushing and pushing to try to close the sale and close the sale. Uh, and, um, and then we got the call saying that, Hey, Gil, your people a little bit, you know, pushing. And I told the guy, I said, listen, how many sales did we close for you last month? 65. How many closed before that? 80. I said, listen, if you don't get a phone call every once in a while that somebody's badgering somebody, you know, that that's a good thing. You know, yeah, that be happy that's happening because you know that we're doing what we got to do. Now, some people disagree with that. <laughs> don't, don't call. We don't want to get the phone call. I said, well, listen, if you're not getting a phone call every once in a while, the HL people are trying to follow through to close the deal, then, you know, that's okay. Then look at your numbers and look at ours. So we blew out their numbers uh, and um, they eventually implemented our model and they hired their own people and they said, this is the way you got to do it. But we got a few phone calls of complaints because we were, but you know, so. That, yeah, that, but you know, at, at the end of the day, yeah. uh, I think the best practice is that it takes seven touches yeah. to disposition a target. When I say disposition, I mean, to come to a conclusion as to whether or not um, they could be uh, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think you got to go email, phone, email, oh. phone. I mean, and you have to have different email, different um, different content and different emails looking for different things as you're on that kind of touch point to a journey. It's not the same email and you can't have your salespeople writing the emails. They have to be written properly in a very thoughtful way. And um, I think, you know, and then, and then you have to do surround sound. So what are you doing from a social perspective? Are you, following them on LinkedIn and what are the trigger events for your, for your business? You know, if you're a cybersecurity firm, you need to be tracking CIOs, the transition CTOs, the transition. I mean, it's gotten a lot more sophisticated and you really have to think through and figure out what is my system to help empower my salespeople. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think that um, from, for, for your perspective, from a, you know, chief outsider's perspective, what is the ideal uh, client for you? I know you serve different industries and different sizes, but generally speaking, they have a profile. Okay. They, they do. They, you know, they, and again, they have different needs, but generally there's going to be some commonality, right. In that profile. And you know, that for example, I'm assuming if a company has four employees and they're, they're, they're really small, they may not be the right fit for you because they can't afford you. Can't, whatever, I don't know what to charge, but, you know, so 
give us a little sense of these are an ideal scenario. These are ideal clients, generally speaking. Yeah, I think I think it's the companies for the most part that have proven product market fit and are ready to scale. So they would be companies 10 million to 200 million where there's no vice president of marketing. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, we do work at the enterprise level where we are doing projects for a CMO mm -hmm. um, who just wants to carve off and say, I need this project to go right. I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I need this to happen. And we can take that project and, and run with it. Um, but for the most part, it is that CEO who has not really done a lot of marketing, who doesn't really understand the power of it. They've maybe done some random acts of marketing and they haven't worked and they just really want to build a plan to grow their business mm -hmm. and are very clear on what outcomes they want. So the first thing we'll do is say, well, where do you want to take the business in you know the next couple of years mm -hmm. and then we work backwards from the business plan to say okay so here's how we're gonna gonna go forward and 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 build the engine to grow that business gotcha that, that's great so um we're gonna uh go into some rapid fire questions here and then we're gonna okay. summarize and and wrap up more about okay uh, about you so um are you a coffee drinker totally i'm on my third cup already hot or cold Hot, hot coffee. Hot coffee, all right. Um, you are a pizza person? Love pizza, but it doesn't love my waistline. <laughs> you put pineapple on pizza with ham? Or, or you're no. Okay. <laughs> I'm a no, I, I, I'm a pepperoni, mushroom, extra cheese gal. Ooh, yeah, now you're talking. Um, sans the mushroom. Um, but <laughs> that, that said, um, if you um, had the opportunity to um, go anywhere and time and money was not an issue uh, for you, where would you go? Well, I've been to a lot of places, but next on our time and money, no issue. One of the places I'm dreaming about going to is Africa, South Africa. Nice. It's hot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's really nice. Um, hamburgers. Love them. I, I'm into uh, I'm into those lettuce burgers, lettuce wrapped burgers that In and Out Ooh. does. Yeah, wow. Yeah, they're called protein protein style. <laughs> so they're good. You save the calories on the bun. Uh, I got you. Yeah, cut the carbs out, right? Uh, I, I I I hear you. Um, if you had a uh, a, a superpower, um, it doesn't have to be business related, by the way. Okay, it could be anything. Uh, if you had a superpower, um, what would that superpower be? Bring peace to the world. Wow. Okay. Good. Good for you. That's uh. That's really. <laughs> that uh, That's really cool. Uh, you an Apple or an Android gal? I'm an Apple girl. <laughs> love my love my love my smartphone. Gotcha. Um, when you're um, do you listen to uh to podcasts and and streaming stuff or? Do you go into the theater to see a movie uh, anymore? I mean, forget about COVID for a minute, just assuming everything is normal. Uh, what, what, what do you do to, to, to uh, consume content? Uh, I, do, um, I do love watching movies and we have a big, huge TV screen in our living room. So we've found not so much the need to go to a movie theater, but if we feel like it's gonna really be a different experience, Mm -hmm. you know, in a real maybe action film 
you know, kind of thing. We'll do that. sound and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But we're kind of homebodies that way, I think. Okay. That's fine. Um, And that's good. So 30 second wrap up of uh, the value prop of of chief outsiders um, and how they can help. Uh, companies deal with marketing challenges, strategy, vision, that kind of thing. It could be going in the 30 seconds. That's fine. Just kind of a wrap us up. Yeah. So Chief Outsiders is a marketing as a, as is a executive as a service firm. So we go in and help a CEO. We take the vision out of his or her head and really help them make it come alive by bringing to bear the right people, process, technology with a well-documented growth plan that outlines exactly where we need to go and how we're going to get there to achieve the outcomes that CEO wants. Excellent. We've been chatting with Karen Haywood uh, of Chief Outsiders. Um, It's been a great conversation. Uh, Thanks so much for sharing what you guys do and going through a couple of scenarios with us and the audience. And um, I, I would hope that you guys finish this year strong and you come out of 2022 guns blazing uh, and uh, to to grab market share and grow the business. You bet. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Glad to be with you.